What's up, Ditch the Job listeners? Mark Caberti, the podcast and virtual summit coach here. And when it comes to ditching your job and being the leader in your space, one of the things you have to do is take leadership. Not This isn't something that starts when you have that like boss position in your own company, like you're your own CEO. The leadership position has to start now. If you are in your job, you have to take leadership and control of your life to get out of your job. And then when you are out of your job and you are working on your business. You have to think of that leadership role. How can I be the leader in my industry? So leadership is such a key trait. And we're going to talk about how to take leadership in your life, in your business, and become the leader in your space. The guest who joins us, uh, he's also known as the Nerd Gone Rogue. He is the creator of the Change the Game Challenge and founder of Growth Hacks. Uh, this is a marketing and media agency that uh, his community refers to as a hacks factory, which helps creatives and brands solve bigger, more interesting problems and lead in a smarter way that allows them to improve their industries and become the leaders in their spaces. So our guest who joins us for this episode of Ditch the Job is none other than Catriel Sarfati. Catriel, welcome to the show. Mark, man, it's, first of all, I love that energy you put into that that, uh, that intro. I actually had a moment like, wait, who is that? Um, and second of all, I, I, I think I was, you remember, I was just telling you, I love, I got so excited when I met someone like yourself that's out there doing something like this because it just speaks to such a, such a powerful moment in someone's life that I, I really had to reach out to you, man. I really had to reach out and try to connect with you because I love what you're doing. Well, Catrell, I definitely appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, we're going to be going through a lot of insights in this episode of Ditch the Jobs. So you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. One of the things that I want to go into is like leadership. I don't believe it's something that you're born with. I believe it's something that you have to learn. Uh, you could disagree with me on that if you want, because you know, it's one of those like you, you the tomato, tomato. Uh, but I'm wondering, Catrell, if you could share with us how you developed your leadership uh, so you were able to take charge in important uh, life decisions and business decisions. I want to start off by saying that you just nailed it when you said at the end, decisions. Um, in my experience, uh, decisions, the choices we make are based on our competence, right? And also our understanding. Um, and that's really what it came down to. And the reason I'm saying that is because I've, I've heard many other podcasters and people are in the media that talk about leadership and they talk of it as you, <laughs> you just said, like if they're born with it. And I frankly, from experience, not theory, have seen that leaders can be made. Um, there is certain factors, right? So there's variables and fixed. Uh, at fixed is yes. The biggest thing that I've noticed that makes a great leader is a great listener first. Uh, empathy second. Not in that order, of course. Uh, and I come from a background of behavioral psychology and consumer economics. That's why I love doing what's called neuromarketing. So that being said, when it comes to leadership, what I saw was a problem. And I'm sure you've seen many, many people that see a problem and they run to it, right? They want to fix the problem. And, and that really, anyone can do that, right? Uh, but to have help in that drive and in getting it to the finish line and, and further than that, Again, from my experience, it takes a good listener and it takes a, some, someone that's rather empathetic because when you're working with others, 
you know, you're, these aren't your robots. These are not your employees. These are people that have feelings, lives, experiences going on of their own. So it, it definitely, you have to corral people. And from, in my perspective and in my history, uh, I got a real life lesson when I was in the military. I was in charge of a little over 200 soldiers. Now imagine being 20, 20 years old and you're told, hey, good job. Here's your new rank. By the way, <laughs> you're in charge of over a little over $3 million of equipment and a little over 200 soldiers. So, you know, you, I had to buckle down real, real fast because as you understand, this is very high stakes. So uh, while it might have not have been the, the best conditions for me to learn leadership, I ultimately, I had to rise to the occasion. So in my, that's again, that's my experience. It might be anecdotal, but I'm sure that some of your listeners might actually hear that and say, oh, I think that, that they can relate to that because many of us have been put in, in positions where we don't really have any other choice. Yeah, and that, I feel like that is the way a lot of people, uh, it's like they do leadership or they achieve success. It's one of those things where you don't really have another choice. I mean, uh, Catriel is in a really uh, interesting spot where, you know, at 20, like he's got to lead 200 soldiers. There's, like if, if you mess up in a business, the worst thing that happens is you go out of business and you're not able to pay people wages that help feed their families, which uh, definitely sounds dark. And, you know, that does show there are stakes if you mess up in a business and you've got people relying on you. But like in Catriel's case, we're talking about actual lives. So he had to really rise up to the occasion quickly. So um, not to say that you have to be in that situation, but uh, I feel like uh, there are people who they feel like they can't lead but you put them in a situation like Catriel's case and all of a sudden you become a leader. So you always have it in you. It's just a matter of pulling it out. So uh, how would you suggest we get better at pulling out the leader inside of us? Because I feel like we all have it. And under the right circumstances, we could all tap into it. But how do we get better at pulling it out of us without having to uh, get to a point of like, you know, leading 200 soldiers? That's a great question. Um, and it, again, anecdotal and through me constantly testing and tweaking, I'm constantly testing something out. Um, studies have shown that there's about, not about, there's five personalities. While there's so many of us, there's five key personalities. And what, obviously, they, they make us who we are. What uh, we all have in common is perspective, right? And that's, that's literally the catalyst for everything else. So when it comes to how do we awaken it in every single person, frankly, it, you cannot. You cannot awaken it at every single person. Ultimately, what it's going to come down to, again, is I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Simon, uh, with Simon that says, you know, what's your why? And that's what I've realized over time. That's the catalyst. I, you can take someone who is cold-hearted and narcissistic and slowly shape them into somewhat of a leader if their why is strong enough. So, no, that's one way. That's on the one spectrum. On the other spectrum, it really comes down to practice right? It, it, it just never fails. I, I've taken some people that are just scared, 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 scared. And in fact, let me give you a real life example. There's someone I met from the UK. She is in the tech field. Now, I don't know if you're familiar, the tech world isn't exactly riddled and filled with women. And not only with that, but her whole industry, her whole company, she was only one of three women. And in her position, what we worked on was Let's focus on what you're trying to achieve, not just for the company as a whole, but for your career. So instead of just leading the charge and saying, women, come with me, she just 
led a charge for a, uh, for a cause, right? Which was improving the customer journey because she cared about customers because she has had a slew of bad experiences, right? So while she was very shy, we focused on her strengths, which was execution, right? From there, we actually realized that if she just were, was able to relay a win to everyone around her in some way, then at that point, it just kind of snowballed from there. So that's just an example of how even a shy, introverted person, right, can just look for what, can, what does the other person want and how does my cause help them achieve it? Once you find that out, you position it to them, you, you, know, you work with them. And now it's been about a year that I've been working with her. Uh, she's actually head of product and travels to the Netherlands, South Africa, working with actual government agencies, providing them the service. And, and that is something that I'm not only proud of, but is, it's again, it, this was someone that, that was super shy and introverted and within a year turned into a leader. And I do love the idea of relaying a win to everyone. I mean, that's just a good habit. That's just something that's going to uh, really inspire people you're leading because part of a leader, it's not just about you go there. It's more of like you are making each person you're leading a better person. And I definitely do love that standpoint. I love that you also mentioned introvert. I am also an introvert. You would never think it from these interviews. At least I hope you would never think it from these interviews. But <laughs> I mean, I'm an introvert. And it's just because I've done so many of these that I'm able to speak my mind and do it the way that I do it. And uh, when it comes to leadership, I feel like people have this misconception that uh, like we were talking earlier about how Catrillo had to lead the 200 soldiers. Like a lot of people think of leadership, it's you in like the center stage and you've got like, five people, 10 people, hundreds or thousands of people who you're sharing your advice to that person. You're leading those people. But uh, part of leadership is also just leading yourself because uh, like you lead yourself on small stages, like just you, then just one person, like those people who lead like big companies, they started just by being a leader, like when no one saw them. So uh, I'm go where I'm going with this is that when it comes to leadership, uh, how can we get better at leading ourselves to the path we want to create? Because some people, they take a while to dish the job. They never feel ready or they're not doing the right things so they can get out sooner. So how do we get better at actually leading ourselves to the futures we want for ourselves? Well, if, you, if, you, if, if I may, uh, I will talk about two, two instances. One, you. The reason that I was like, I got to reach out to this guy is, you know, you just said you're an introvert, right? Um, but you said something that's, that's frankly inspiring, man. You said, I asked you, why are you doing this? And you're like, well, this is my third podcast. You know, it, most people would have given up at one. Frankly, you've seen the, the amount of people that want to start a podcast these days. And frankly, you see one opening up <laughs> or being launched every week. Uh, but there is something to say that you are on your third and not only on your third, but you've gotten better every single time. You are now on one that has such an amazing purpose to your audience, right? So your audience is someone who knows that they've got the stuff, right? They just, they're kind of in, their, in that crossroads. So you being an introvert, doesn't matter if you're, no, if you're not a, like a grand spokesperson that can get up on stage and speak to millions. What really matters is that you care, that empathy, right? And what matters is that you listen. The fact that you're able to, to reduce because let's also look at why most podcasts are is I want the biggest audience. I want to be the, the Joe Rogan of the world, which is fine. Um, but you, you do something that I, I love to preach to anyone who will listen, which is create 
don't compete. And what you did is you created something for people that are very in tune with your, not only you, but with that commonality of, I know I deserve more. So you're able to deliver something of massive quality, right? So there's that right there. And then obviously leading into like the, everyone else, your listeners specifically, it's it, what, again, from what I've noticed, this is not theory. And that's, that's another thing I think is that we need to get out of the, that, that, um, that hoopla, whatever you want to call it, of getting so enamored with theory. And this is why so many college students, for example, come out with and struggle in real life. Um, it's into practice. You're practicing, right? You're practicing constantly. You're not just waiting for the right time. You're not waiting for a podcaster to come and tell you, Mark, let me show you the ropes. You're just going along as you go. And that really leads into the next part of the person, the next person, sorry, misspoke. It's what are you really looking to do? And the thing is that it's why I said before, what's your mission? What's your why? Most people think that I want to become a leader. Cool. I have to personify this leader and then, and then charge forward. Uh, everyone that I've ever met or helped, they kind of accidentally <laughs> became a leader. Um, in my experience and my story, I accidentally became, uh, I even hate using the term, but I, I guess I have to use it for this example, is uh, an influencer. I started just talking about my experience and how I had to overcome certain biases and certain roadblocks in my career and how I just said, you know what, screw it. I'm going to learn the rules and break them along the way. And what ended up happening was I started amassing this audience and then it kind of just snowballed. And on Instagram, it went up to a little over 140,000. But the whole time I wasn't sitting there thinking I'm going to be a leader. I still technically don't feel like I am one. But recently, I, when I was invited to Silicon Valley to speak, they introduced me as one. I was like, I, I actually had a moment that I had to stop and realize, oh, my God, whoops. And I think that when your audience members start to look at you and what you're doing, look at them and what they're working on, they're going to notice that maybe I need to tweak what I'm focusing on, right? And, and, and I know that some people want a vague story overview, but it really just comes down to who are you looking to help and why are you looking to help them? Sometimes it could start as simple as like, you know, maybe you feel like you're the only one going through something. I mean, I, I just over 7 billion people on the planet. I'm pretty sure if you go online, you could find at least a thousand others just like you. And that's really where you start. <laughs> you just start looking for those problems that you're looking to solve. And just, I don't really want to overcomplicate it for you, Mark. But again, you are a shining example of why people become a leader. Um, and in, even in my story, like now I'm, I'm, not, I'm in situations that I never thought I would be. I went from being overlooked by many, many industries to the point now where I'm being you know, sought after as a consultant. And I'm teaching people that went to Harvard. That, that didn't happen overnight. That's like over a decade of work. But now as a college dropout, I'm able to teach someone who went to Harvard. And, and that really just comes from that exact same thing is just solve a problem, tweak it, go to the next one, and then just leave with empathy. Right? And I hope that answers your question. And I think that gives a really deep perspective. I mean, uh, just this idea. I mean, I know you mentioned earlier, create, don't compete, and just really find this way where you are able to find that niche of people who you serve and then serve them. And one of the things I do want to jump into, you mentioned, you were talking a little bit about theory versus like applying. And I'll just give a brief story. Like I'm a finance major uh, at the time of recording uh, in finals, I'm about to be in that stretch. Uh, but by the time you're listening to this, I've definitely completed my finals and I'm done with college. So 
Uh, part of like being a finance major, like you learn different things like PE ratio, all these different uh, statistics and things like that to help you feel more confident with your investment. Uh, so that's the theory side. But then when you have to put your money into the investment, that's where uh, you could believe in the theory, but you could feel a little nervous about actually taking action because <laughs> now all of a sudden you're putting money in. So I think with leadership, part of it is uh, knowing the theory and taking action on the theory. But when it comes to taking action on theory, people could back off a bit because uh, you know, there, there are stakes involved. There's, uh, you could be doing something else. Uh, you could lose money. There's risk involved. So uh, when we have like, you know, we have this plan drawn up, we have this thing that should work in theory and do well, how do we then take action on it? Um, thinking about the risks, but not letting the risks hold us back mm. from something that we believe is a good opportunity. Well, first and foremost, I, I wish you the best on, you. on, on your finals, man. Um, I cannot wait to hear that you passed. <laughs> and you know what's awesome is that you're in, you're in finance, right? Um, yeah. One of my favorite things, and I'll admit I, I geek out over it, is microeconomics. I incorporate it. And it's funny because as a, as a marketer, I don't, it's, hard, it's hardly ever that I meet a marketer that loves economics, which is weird to me because it's like, you, but you, you should. <laughs> like psychology and economics. Um, but anywho. And so again, I'm wishing you the best. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you, I'm going to answer with a question for you, right? Now, in your experience, right, you see how people, you know, you went into like, they get scared, right? So you have a bunch of theory, but once it's in practice, then what, what is the, the variable every single time? You know, you can talk about index funds, IULs, all day long, all this other stuff, right? But ultimately, what is, what is really the difference between a winner as an investor and a loser? Oh, are you asking me or are you just? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, of course, man. <laughs> in your experience from what you're seeing out there in the markets, right? People that are applying what you're learning right now, what do you notice is the biggest difference between a winner and a loser? Um, leadership, past success, uh, what the future uh, looks like if there's an optimistic or pessimistic view from ownership and the CEO and CFO. Sweet. Yes. It's funny because it all comes down to human, right? Human behavior. And what you just said, the past, the successes, the optimism, the pessimism, it just comes down to your relationship with failure. You know, um, I've, I've been around many, many people in the finance sector. And what I've noticed is sure there's people out there with bravado and they're very egotistical. However, the people that I know that stay in it forever, like they're never going anywhere, whether they make $50,000 a month or $0 a month, is whomever has a great relationship with failure. So, you know, whatever, and I'm saying this because it doesn't actually matter, just it's not specific to finance, but it's specific to our path and what paths we choose because as you said in the beginning, the choices we make, well, the choices we make are ultimately rooted in our relationship with fear and how we let it actually affect us. And obviously from there, you just have a snowball effect, whether in a good way or a bad way. So that would definitely be the first thing that I would look at if I were in anyone's shoes that's listening to your, to your podcast is how do I treat failure? Like um, someone that I was just talking to two days ago for the first time she had to pitch, you know, she had to pitch a product to the rest of her company and she bombed like really bad. 
and she calls me right after and she's like just like oh man i screwed up and all my reaction was like amazing and she was like what i was like this is awesome i was like the worst thing that could have ever happened to you happened to you so literally now you get to go back to the drawing board and fix it and very much like you did with your first podcast then the second and now your third you you're revisiting you're learning along the way to not really look at failure as most people would but as just like oh that one didn't work let me erase it you know just picture a whiteboard oh on that one that one didn't compute let me erase and and, and adapt and i i, I mean cartel hits a really great point uh where with fear and with fear of failure in particular that's gonna be something that really neutralizes us when it comes to exploring new areas i mean uh making an investment ditching a job going into a new industry these are all things that may look good on paper but they require you to take a step of faith they require you to take a level of risk and if you fear failure i mean it's just going to be something that slows you down you have to be fine with failing i mean uh, we all fail. I feel like we all know that we all fail, but uh, for some reason, we see more of the pain rather than the learning experience that failure brings. So I'm wondering if you could share with us how you came to view the failing as a learning experience, uh, because it's not something people are ready to do and not something people really enjoy doing either. Mm. <laughs> no, no, no one likes to fail. And that's okay. That really is okay. Um, well, you okay, so this is a kind of like, this is the market of me, right? AB split test, right? You've got someone who's like, ready to jump. They're like, we're gonna try it. Obviously, they're afraid. Um, and then you have someone that's at a job currently and thinking, you know what, I really want to leave this place. It's such a dump. I'm not growing. Well, for that person, we'll start off with the V. The person who's in a job that's ready to jump, they want to jump, but there's so many variables on why they cannot. Well, the first thing is, well, why are you in the job that you're doing? What skills do you have? Really just audit yourself, a SWOT analysis, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Uh, and then from there, start to see, well, where am I trying to go, right? So picture yourself a year from now. Where are you looking to go? And just keep it simple, you know, three bullet points, right? I want to do be, be doing A, having, you know, B, and becoming C. And then just kind of come up, well, what's the theme, uh, of my success story. For me, it was create, don't compete. And from there also start to realize, well, who are the players? This is where learning the rules comes into. Well, who are the players that are going to assist me and that I can assist back, right? The win-win-win thing. A win for them, a win for you, and a win for the customer. And then from there, start actually practicing. So recently someone that I'm working with right now, she had the exact same thing. It's two of them technically. Um, and what we're doing is we're getting them out of their shell. So they're practicing. So what they're doing is they're talking to managers. They're talking to C-suite level people and asking them, what are your problems? And what they're doing from there is they're literally running test runs themselves in their home, in their private time, like a hobby. And they're coming up with solutions and they're just giving it to the person. Sure, most people might say you're working for free. But guess what? One of the guys in this group, because it's two of them, has developed four case studies in just in the past few months. And then his partner, she's come up with two powerful case studies. But the thing is that now they actually have something that they're showing proof that they're able to do it, which means that you don't really have to take such a, a crazy risk. They're taking a calculated risk. So what's now coming from this is that they're now being offered a job offer at a big company. I'm not going to mention the name, but I will say this. You can find it online and you can go to any city in the world and rent a place on this platform. And they're getting hired there at a six-figure range. 
because they're taking calculated risks along the way. So that's one, one spectrum. Then you have the other person that's like, I'm just going to jump. Let's go for it. All or nothing. Well, if that's the case, start practicing. It's literally the same thing. Start practicing. Um, and when it comes to your skills, I highly suggest anyone, even me, I'm an, I'm technically an ambivert. I, I am really an introvert though. Um, it's to start developing and learning your sales skills because whether you work at a company or you're about to jump, you're going to have to convince people. You're going to have to have a conversation with people that are going to get them to do something. This is why in marketing, I always say the best people, and I don't know why there's not more of them, the best people that should be in marketing are journalists because they have an ability to convey something to someone. Their active marketing is getting someone, is connecting to someone and getting them to do something. And that ultimately also encompasses communication. So for that person is sharpen your communication skills, sharpen your sales skills, because that's going to actually be the best way that you start to practice today. And if God forbid you end up with no money, guess what? You now have a soft skill that you can pretty much take anywhere. Uh, and it doesn't really matter where you're going. So I'm, I'm hoping that answers your, your question, man. Yeah, I mean, a lot of really great insights there. One thing I definitely want to emphasize there is that uh, selling is a skill that's going to help you regardless of where you go. So it is one of those soft skills you definitely want to develop uh, because it also helps you become a better leader. It helps you make the transition because if you can sell, and it's easier for you to sell the offer that you're promoting, which will make it easier for you to make the income you need to make uh, for ditching the job to make sense for you. Another thing that makes a lot of sense is, uh, I mean, if you guys like this episode, I think Catriel produces great work and you guys should definitely go check it out. So um, I'm wondering where are some good places we could go to continue following you along your journey? Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that, man. Um, well, uh, my website is growth hacks, which is G you know, growth and then H a X X.com, uh, or just make it easier. Nerd gone <laughs> There you go. But, um, I have taken a break from Instagram at the moment, simply because as I said, just, you know, the whole purpose of this is I'm looking for a way to better serve. So uh, on Instagram also, I'm also nerd gone rogue. Uh, and hell, if you're really like out there and hungry to, to do something, Mark, you know, you're welcome to, to, to come and join us. I'm on LinkedIn and it's literally my name, Catriel C. Sarfati, uh, and come and you're welcome, more than welcome to come along. I'd love to introduce you to people uh, and for your, your, your fans, your audience as well. I'm more than happy to, to, to deliver more, more value to you folks. So yeah, LinkedIn, Catriel C. Sarfati. Um, Instagram is NerdGoneRogue. And of course, you know, NerdGoneRogue.com. Catriel, we'll make sure to include all those links in the show notes. Once again, though, thank you so much for coming on this the job. Your insights were solid. and It was such a pleasure having you on the show. Mark, I wish you the best. I can't wait to hear that you, you passed. And frankly, dude, I'm not kidding. I, I'm, please hit, hit me up on the side. I'd love to, to, to help you with your journey as well because we need more Mark, man. We need more Mark in more places. Thank you.